Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to the first team. I am Joe DeLeon. Joining me as always, former NFL and college QB, Matt Sims, also founder of the Sims Complete QB and host of the Sims Complete podcast on Believe. With me, of course, Ryan Rob Ryan Roberts, Irish Breakdown recruiting analyst. God, it is such a mouthful to say everybody's name and title at the beginning of the show. You're today we're going to be grow up. Yeah, dude. I know, I know, I know. Up, I know. I'm complaining about nothing. Uh, today we're going to be reacting to some destinations, some commitments for the transfer portal. We analyzed some of the top names, and now we've got headlines where for a number of these guys are going to be going. Some lesser known names, maybe that have landed in some pretty intriguing destinations. All that coming up and more, guys. I want to start us off by talking about Notre Dame, and I know that we talk about Notre Dame. Uh, a good amount on this show, but they are uh, a focal point right now in the transfer portal discussions because one, they just can, you know, got their guy, their quarterback, Riley Leonard from Duke. He is committed. It was projected. It was assumed nothing was guaranteed, but it was expected that he would be a member of this Notre Dame Fighting Irish team. It is now official. He has announced his commitment. They have also gone and gotten multiple receivers, Bo Collins from Clemson. Chris Mitchell from FIU, two productive receivers this past year. And as we're taping this, defensive lineman from Duke, RJ Oban, is going to be committing to play for Notre Dame. Ryan, because you're yes. our Notre Dame expert, we'd like to go to you first here. <laughs> what are your thoughts on all this? Is, is this enough, does it feel like, to get them over um, that 9-win, 10-win hurdle that they haven't really been able to get to with Marcus Freeman? Uh, I mean, I... It, can it be? Yes, I think it can be because I think that what Notre Dame is doing, because the one thing over the first couple of years under Marcus Freeman is he has dramatically improved the high school recruiting side of it, right? And that's always going to be how Notre Dame is built most is through the high school recruiting and development. But one thing that we Notre Dame has been navigating the last couple of years is trying to figure out how to better use the transfer portal because it's a little tough at Notre Dame, right? Like it, if a kid isn't a graduate transfer, it's tough to get all the credits to transfer over to even qualify academically to go to the University of Notre Dame. So their pool that they're pulling from is a little bit smaller for the most part. I mean, I remember when Brandon Joseph committed to Notre Dame. You remember that, Joe, out of Northwestern? Yeah. He was an undergrad from Northwestern, and it almost didn't happen because it's so hard to make the transfer happen to the University of Notre Dame as an undergrad. It's just not easy. So they are trying to navigate the portal better. And what they have done so far, I really love because I think that you last year with Sam Hartman, I think you brought a kid that rose the floor of your quarterback room, right? Because he was a, a guy that had thrown for a ton of yards, played a ton of football games, had a lot of experience on the table. But I think that the upside or the ceiling of the quarterback room was still relatively the same. It rose a little bit, obviously, with having a more experienced quarterback. But you're taking a little bit of a gamble with Riley Leonard in the sense that coming off the injury, still has a little bit to prove, still has development that needs to be had, but you can't teach six foot four, 
215 with a strong arm and a great athlete. You can't teach those things. So if development is good, I think that Riley Leonard could potentially blossom into one of the best dual threat quarterbacks in all of college football that he looked like he was going to be after his 2022 season, which was his breakout. And then you now have to rebuild around him. You lost four wide receivers to the transfer portal, actually five total. So you need to bring in not only the three-man wide receiver class in the 2024 recruiting class, you also need to bring in some guys that have proven production, guys that have done it on the college level. And that's what Notre Dame's done so far. Chris Mitchell was one of the top 15 receivers in college football last year in terms of yardage. He had over 1,100 yards receiving from FIU, and he brings a speed element to the table that Notre Dame needs more of. They also had a boundary receiver deficiency this past year. They had a couple injuries. They didn't have a guy that was a true difference maker in the boundary. And I think Bo Collins is going to bring a stable element to that boundary. It's six foot three, 210 pounds. They're also going to look for another wide, wide receiver in the portal as well. Another guy that has experience. They're going to target that. And then you bring RJ Oberman just recently, obviously Roman Oben's son who played in the NFL. And that's going to upgrade the pass rush, which is another spot that Notre Dame needed to do better than what they did in the 2023 season. So are, is Notre Dame a much better team than they were before the portal opened? Absolutely. Is it going to be enough? I'm not 100% sure because there is still a little bit of boomer bust to this class, specifically around Riley Leonard. But if he does boom, I think Notre Dame has a chance to, I mean, it's a 12-team playoff next year, so I think that they have yeah. a good chance of making the playoff. But I think they have a good chance of contending next year if Riley Leonard can be the player that we thought maybe he could be after his 2022 season and he stays healthy this year. Are we concerned at all, too, with just, you know, Bo Collins' injury and his ability to be available uh, I guess in time to be in great football shape, but also to be on the yeah. same page with this quarterback. I mean, where do you have any insight on that and where he is as far as his health, his timetable? I, I think the so he's expected obviously to be ready for spring and everything, but I think the big thing, the key there, Matt, with Bo Collins is you needed to add a stable bodies to the boundary position. You have Deion Colsey that's coming back from injury. He was expected to be the boundary for Notre Dame last year. Right. He'll be back. You now have Bo Collins in that room. You're also going to bring in Micah Gilbert as a freshman wide receiver that is a little bit more of that bigger body guy as well. I think Notre Dame right now, because they have a little bit of injury passed in the boundary position in general, so the thought process, I think, is let's get a few more bodies just in case injury does happen so that we can sustain that injury a little better last year. Because that's that was the worst part of Notre Dame's offense this past year is once a couple wide receivers started getting hurt, they had a little rash of like three to four guys in the middle of the season with like hamstrings and one guy had a, a like a, another lower body injury. They just didn't have guys that complemented each other well enough in the sense of they didn't have a true boundary guy. So now they're throwing guys that are true Zs or even slot players into the right. boundary at times. It's making them worse football players, and it's also taking valuable depth at other positions as well. So I think Bo is just going to be a, a healthy body mm. that is productive, and if he gets injured or somebody else gets injured, you have a, a chance to supplement that injury What in in retrospect of what you were not able to do this past season right i think just in general uh the biggest thing for me all these pieces are great and them adding experienced receivers that have production like that's that's huge that that's something that they they haven't really had and some oh, a lot of people have to argue and say you know notre dame doesn't really have the receivers that's why they're never going to get there but now you have verified production maybe at lower levels but still verified production especially with chris mitchell but my biggest thing and I, I had tweeted this yesterday. I had a bunch of idiots trying to <laughs> trying to say that it wasn't a legitimate take, but 
Riley Leonard coming into the season by most outlets was graded as a late first round pick, early second round pick. Mel Kuyper had him as his third quarterback. Number he 19 is, overall player at one point, too. And we know that Mel Kuyper's sourcing comes directly from the NFL. So, yes. Right. And he, he right, he's at the point of his career where a lot of his decision making does tend to come from just kind of what he's hearing. But what I'm getting at here is the last time Notre Dame has had a first round quarterback, it's what been what Brady Quinn, maybe Deshaun Kaiser, but Deshaun Kaiser was a bit of a yeah, Jimmy you know, Clausen and Deshaun were like borderline first to second rounders in that ballpark. Right. Yeah, yep. It's just huge for them that they go from a high, like you talked about, a high ceiling quarterback to now one that's traitsy and talented. And you just have to hope that the receivers are good enough to support him yep. around him. And I will go as far as to say this if you go back and watch Riley Leonard last year, he didn't really have a lot of guys to throw to. He, he really didn't. He didn't have a lot of options. He had a good offensive line, good run game, but not a lot of options to throw to. So I think that he now enters a situation where he can really take that next step and it can help Notre Dame reach that college football playoff. Well, and I would say this too, and, and Matt, I know obviously you've played on a, on a lot of a lot of teams and you've seen you know variety of successes and variances of successes, right? And I think that for me, it was also about finding the right quarterback for the right situation to a degree. And I think what Riley Leonard brings, because yes, he has a lot to prove, improve upon and prove as a college quarterback in general, and then a draft prospect following that. But Notre Dame, you have to look at where they'll be as a team next year. And where they'll be is a very talented but young offensive line. So inexperienced, it's going to take a little time to gel. The wide receivers, we mentioned it, Joe, there's going to be some new faces in that room. Also going to take a little bit of time to gel. That stuff doesn't happen instantaneously. Having a player like Riley Leonard that has the improvising skills that he has is going to make his offensive line better. It's going to make the running game better. And I think it's almost a get out of jail free card to a degree mm. at a point of like, hey, even if things aren't perfect, his ability to run the football and to be the 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 player outside of structure that he is, is going to make up for some of those lapses as far as the offensive line maybe having a slow start or the wide receivers having the gel. I think that that ability as a dual threat really does help alleviate some of those early bumps that you're going to see from a development perspective. And am I seeing this correctly? They open up the season with Texas A&M next year? Yes, so, that is correct. So, you know, like you don't really have much of a grace period there. You know, no. like, I mean, you're going against a talented team and a, and a coach that is going to have a lot to prove. His former coach, too. His former coach, too. <laughs> and he's going to have the advantage, too, of kind of being able to roll out something very unique that no one has seen. You know, it's not like we have preseason. We're like, you know, I've been doing this the first few weeks or whatever. You know, it, a tremendous advantage, I think, to, to Texas A&M that first week, being able to kind of come in as the unknown entity as far as what their team identity will look like, both offensively and defensively. Bet Online remains your top spot for all of your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, NHL are all in full swing Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V for 50% off your first deposit. That is a 50% welcome bonus. Bet Online, where the game starts. Quick thought just adding yeah. here before we flip to the next guy. 
I think it's a good advantage here that they, they uh, get to play Texas A&M as they're, they're kind of trying to get on their feet because right. it'll look good. They get an SEC win to start the season, uh, but it'll probably be against a Texas A&M team that's still figuring their stuff out so that Notre Dame can <laughs> you know pretend that it, was a, that it was a really good win. Uh, uh, I know, I know I'm going to do that. I'm going to talk so much crap about you know, them beating Texas A&M. <laughs> but, uh, nonetheless, let's uh, move on to another uh, quarterback who committed. I want to talk about Dylan Gabriel because I think that he is, um, out of the rest of the guys that we're going to talk about today, I think that he is the most impactful for the destination that he landed at. The Oklahoma, former Oklahoma, former UCF quarterback uh, was rumored to go to Mississippi State. I didn't think that that made a lot of sense. He's playing his last year of college football. Yes, he goes to play for his former offensive coordinator, but why wouldn't he go somewhere where he can run the table and maybe go to a national championship? He goes to Oregon, which just had an older quarterback who stayed for a million years, and he steps into a system that is very dink and dunk, get the ball out quickly. Uh, allow your guys to produce yak yardage. I think that this is a great situation. And I was listening to uh, the Cover 3 podcast, another show, that was talking about apparently if you pull up the, the the heat chart of Bo Nix's throws, a lot of them were to the left. So that helps Dylan Gabriel because he's a lefty and he gets to throw the ball uh, to the left. But Matt, I want to go to you first on this one. What do you what do you think of this move? Which makes no sense because Bo Nix is a right-handed quarterback. I know. But okay, all right. You know, But it's just... Um, it's. I think it's a great move for Oregon to get a quarterback like him that is experienced, that knows how to play the position extremely well, does a lot of the things that Bo Nix does well, good decision-making consistently, right? A good leader, tough in the pocket, is able to move and create plays outside the confines of the play and throw well on the run. You know, the one aspect that I, I really want to stress really to, you know, Will Stein and just that offense is just have to be a little bit more aggressive throwing the football down the field at times, especially with your skill set. I think that was really what kind of hindered them from getting over that hump against Washington was the fact that it was a little too predictable. If we needed eight yards, we needed to throw it for nine. You know, it's just got to get outside of the box as far as how they attack. But as far as Dylan Gabriel goes, I was impressed with him all year. I thought he played extremely tough. And his ability, I think, to keep Oklahoma in games where they were struggling, he always seemed to, to at least make the two or three plays to kind of keep them in it, keep them active. And, uh, and the dude's tough, man. And, and I think that's really a, a big thing for the position. Always need someone that's extremely tough, like a Bo Nix, like a Dylan Gabriel as your quarterback, because it just kind of, you know, it, it bleeds into the rest of your football team. Joe, are you telling me Mississippi State's not going to win a national championship in 2024? <laughs> no. I'm, yeah, I think mean, exactly saying that. No, they will not. Oh, man. Well, that's going to end the uh, – I mean, what did what did he play with Jeff Lebby for? At least three or four years, right? Because he was at UCF with Lebby as well, right. which is hilarious. <laughs> but I, I think that for me, the Oregon fit for Dylan Gabriel was about as clean a fit as I could find this offseason from a transfer portal perspective. Because he fits the style that they want there, right? Like that—that that is a true spread that wants to throw a ton of bubble screens. They want to throw some now screens. They want to get the football out early. They want to throw some RPO game. They—they they want to do that stuff. And they also would like a quarterback that has some dual threat capability. And Dylan Gabriel has all of that. And I yeah. think that there's some situations where. Dylan wouldn't be a perfect fit from an offensive perspective, but I think Oregon is one of the ones where I look at and say, your skill set fits perfectly for what they want to do, you know, and he's an experienced guy. And Oregon, although they're going to lose 
a, a decent amount this offseason. They still have enough coming back where you can say they can still be in contention for obviously making the yeah. playoffs and potentially making a run next year. So having a guy that is a proven vet, it's got like 125 career touchdown passes, I think, right now, and obviously 42 total this past off this season with Oklahoma. I think that it's going to be a pretty seamless transition as far as you know there's going to be proven production for a very talented team. And I think Oregon really made out about as well as possible because there's there were some bigger names on the board. But for a guy that's just going to kind of be a seamless fit, that makes a ton of sense, fits your offensive structure, I think Dylan Gabriel is going to do really well out in Eugene. Taylor Green, the former Boise State quarterback, uh, is a I like how physical. You, I like how you threw this one in. By the way, the most random one of all time. But this isn't random. I think this is pretty significant. This kid okay. is a physical specimen. He's huge. He's a great athlete. Hasn't really put it all together though, from a processing standpoint, and just playing the quarterback position as effectively as he could for how physically gifted he is. Boise State had had some you know bright spots, but you know again wasn't truly consistent. He enters the portal. He's going to the SEC. He's going to be playing in Bobby Petrino's offense for Sam Pittman at Arkansas. Who, let's be honest, Pittman's on the hot seat. This is kind of like a last ditch effort to prove that there are some signs of progression, some signs of life uh, for this Arkansas Razorback team. Now, Ryan, you and I had a little bit of a discourse on this over text on if we think that he fits Bobby Petrino's offense. I think that Bobby Petrino just when it's all said and done is a creative offensive mind. He fits, um, you know, he fits with Taylor green that he can be creative and find ways to work him into his scheme and use his traits effectively. Matt, I want to go to you first again on this one. Um, Taylor green. Do you think that this could work out or, Am I being a little bit too overly optimistic? Listen, being optimistic is never a bad thing, okay? So don't let Ryan and his uh, central New Jersey, as you would say, mindset yeah, you know, Ryan. affect you. But, <laughs> um, you know, for this situation, hey, Green, be ready, bro, because Bobby Petrino is a psycho, all right? He really is. He's crazy. And if you have any inconsistencies <laughs> at the position, this guy is going to coach them out, all right? He really is. Or he's just going to move on. So just because you are the transfer QB, you know, I would just say be ready. The dude is a tough coach. He demands a ton from his quarterbacks. I do agree with you in the sense that he is going to make it work no matter what. You know, uh, it's kind of like that line from The Departed. You know, he's just like, give the guy a tuba and I'll make something out of it, you know? So <laughs> – you know, it's the same thing for him. He's going to be able to make the most out of him as much as possible at the position. The offense is going to be well-designed. I thought he did a really good job at Texas A&M, especially with dealing with two different quarterbacks who have similar skill sets, but he still made it work, you know, for them. Their offense wasn't the weakness of their team. I think with an, an athletic quarterback with the dual threat stuff, I wouldn't be surprised if Petrino kind of looks into a little bit of what you know, Lane Kiffin has done with his quarterback position with that ability to have the dual threat uh, and, and the quarterback draws and the pass plays an RPO game off of that. So I like this fit. It's going to be difficult, obviously, at first for that consistency aspect because he's going to demand a lot of the position. But dude absolutely has the raw skill sets to be successful. And Petrino is a proven coach, uh, despite, you know, some of the other things that that surround him. But uh, we'll see. Maybe he's the next head coach at Arkansas if if it doesn't work out. I 
I like Bobby Petrino as an offensive mind dating back to, I mean, you can even go before his Louisville days, but I remember him with what he did with the Brian Brahms of the world. And even the Hunter Cantwell's after that, you were just like, that guy is a great coach, really good offensive coach. There's no doubt about it. Our discourse between me and Joe was (laughs) that he said that he was a, uh, what did you say? Seamless fits. Was that the word that you used? No, 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 no. I said, I like I said, I like, I think that this is a, gr- I said, talk about a great fit yeah. for Bobby Petrino's offense. Okay. That was the wording that okay. I used. And my pushback was aside from Lamar Jackson, and when Malik is he- Cunningham, oh, he didn't, he barely had Malik Cunningham, Joe. He barely had Malik Cunningham <laughs> aside from Lamar Jackson. When has he ever had a quarterback like this? And he's not even Jason actually that Kelly. similar. Who? Jason Shelley at Missouri, at Missouri State. When he was- Jason Shelley had 100 yards rushing his final year at Missouri State. He, he was still more of a stuff. runner than he was a passer, though. He was, he was a really bad passer, too, I guess, because he ran for 100 <laughs> yards, Joe. He ran for 100 <laughs> yards. What, what he has typically had at the quarterback position, I texted you, is the Brian Brom-esque type of quarterbacks. The Ryan Mallets. Like, he typically has more pocket oriented quarterbacks that was all my conversation was is that can he make it happen sure he's made it happen right but also he had a once in a generation type of athlete at the quarterback position to work with are we saying that Taylor green is that type of guy i mean uh, no but uh, okay but can we agree forget saying one guy uh, you know forget the discussion of of you know, running quarterback, pocket yeah. passing quarterback. Sure. We can agree that the history of quarterbacks that he's worked, he's worked with, some of them are very physically gifted. Like Ryan Mallett was fit was pretty physically gifted. Sure. Six seven, sure. huge body, good like strong arm. I, I think Taylor Green at least fits that criteria of just being I- Toolsy, I love Tracy and that Bobby Petrino is the type of guy that would take advantage of that. I loved when I said, who has he ever had that is like Taylor Green? And you responded with Lamar Jackson and Ryan Mallets. And I'm like, Joe, Ryan Mallet never moved ever. What are we They're talking both six, about? Seven. They're both 6'7". <laughs> okay, That's okay. what I meant. That's They're both 6'7". I think it could yeah. work. I think it could work. Taylor Green right. is incredibly talented. There's no doubt, strong arm, very athletic, huge body. He's underdeveloped, so there's going to be a huge learning curve, especially early on in his career. But can Bobby Petrino get the best out of him? I'm sure he can. So we'll see what happens. Before we wrap up today's show, uh, I want to talk about uh, a team that has been always uh, you know, highly publicized, always a headline, Colorado Buffaloes. Deion Sanders has made it clear and apparent that he is – trying to rebuild this offensive line. I believe he just got an Indiana guard who's pretty experienced yesterday. He's also added Tyler Johnson from Houston, who's probably the better of the bunch of guys that they added, Justin Myers from UTEP, and then Yukari Walker from UConn. So just kind of quick thoughts on this. I think that we all know and understand that the offensive linemen that he's added are not elite offensive linemen. They've played games and they have experience, which is a step further than what they had last year. They're improving. I think that at the at, at the very least, the only takeaway that you should have from this is not, which what a lot of Colorado fans keep freaking doing, is, <laughs> oh, they're going to go win a national championship now. Stop. Stop for a second. That's yeah. not going to happen in this upcoming year. But it's building a good foundation and it is starting to help them not have to shove and force young guys onto the field, that you can play these experienced players, you develop the other ones that you're recruiting underneath them. It's going to be a multi-year process, and I think by going and getting these guys is going to be a nice step forward for them. 
I would agree. I think that at the bare minimum, Colorado needed to get bodies in that room because mm-hmm. they were bad on the offensive line and they didn't have a lot of options on the offensive line. So is your offensive line better than it was a week ago? Yes, there's no doubt. Do I think that it is necessarily needle moving towards really making you this, you know, this darling in the big 12 next year? No, I don't think it is. Cause I, I, the way I look at it and as I've evaluated most of these guys at this point, the Seton kid, the high school recruit that they got, I think that kid has a lot of upside to being a very good football player. These kids that they're adding in the transfer portal, some are experienced, but not all experience is good experience necessarily, right? So I think that it's going to be better. Do I think it's needle moving? No. Do I feel better about Shador Sanders not getting hurt in 2024? Yes, but it's still, this is a process, man. We cannot fake offensive line development guys we can't do it you can't just throw five guys onto the field and be like you're better because you guys are really talented right no it's about it's about that 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 bonds between one another it's about getting physically more strong it's about developing as from a technical perspective you can't fake that and i think that colorado still has a long way to go from the offensive line perspective yeah, the main goal is really simple. Keep Shadur up a little bit longer than he did a year ago. So they maybe go uh, seven and five, eight and four, nine and three, maybe, where they steal a game or two. And Shadur still is up for the Heisman with all of statistics that he racked up this past year, you know, and doing that same thing again. That's the main goal. And with the Heisman, getting more consistent, you know, offensive line recruits to go along with your high profile quarterback recruits that you get every year. You know, that's the long game. So it's essentially like, you know, the biggest version of daddy football in the world where his his father is going out to protect his son as best as he possibly can to make the best product for his son to get drafted as high as possible, to get the Heisman Trophy, and for them to just kind of add another feather to their cap as far as rebuilding this program, you know, from the ground up again. And, and that's really the main focus. You know, I'm more concerned. It's like, why are we not more focused on the defensive line? You know, the defensive line – it is also, I think, another thing that this team needs to focus on. That was one of the reasons why you struggled in games because you rely too much on three-man rushes and you let really good quarterbacks sit back there for what seemed like ages to just dissect your defense. Even though you had talented guys in the secondary, you still didn't have enough pressure on the quarterback consistently to make yeah. them make faster decisions, right, to put pressure on them consistently. You know, And, and I think that's something that – you know, has to be uh, kept in mind here is that offense and defensive line for Colorado absolutely has to improve and have more of a too deep aspect to it. And I also just think, I you know, just in general, just to close that out, I agree with that. They got to add some more defensive line bodies. That's the next step here. Offensive line's a positive step forward. You got to get some threats uh, on that defensive line because they didn't really, you know, have anybody that fit that criteria this past season. At Joe DeLeon, at Sims Complete QB, at Rising Draft. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, and we will be back with more. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.